I mean, it's very hard to like update you on the war because every hour there is a new insane development. Donald Trump's Twitter is scaring the living bejesus out of me. I'll tell you that much. Um, but uh, the the close the, the the most updated thing, uh, if you missed it, basically the Iraqi Parliament, not Iran, Iraq Parliament, voted to expel the U.S. and the U.S. troops out of Iraq. My first question, uh, I thought we left Iraq. Didn't Obama do this whole big production about us ending war in Iraq? But of course, America, no, 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 no. We're not really a one-night stand kind of gal. We like to commit. You know what I mean? We like to commit. I'm looking to the right to my beautiful girlfriend, by the way. Not my imaginary friend. But we don't like one-night stands in America. Even when we say we are ending the war, we leave 5,000 troops. So this whole notion that we left Iraq is nonsense. We never left Iraq. We actually built more bases since, quote, leaving Iraq. So Iraq, who is furious, furious about uh, what happened uh, in the assassination of uh, Soleimani uh, has voted to expel U.S. troops. But apparently, President Trump and his military people, uh, when a sovereign country, Iraq is a sovereign country, um, says, get out. We don't want you here anymore. President Trump and the U.S., because this is what imperialism is, we don't listen. So apparently, uh, the defense secretary has just said that, uh, yeah, about leaving, we don't really have any plans to leave Iraq. This is U.S. Defense Chief Mark Esper. The United States has no plan to pull out military, militarily from Iraq. Defense Secretary Mark Esper told Pentagon reporters on Monday, following reports a U.S. military letter about preparation for a withdrawal, quote, there's been no decision whatsoever to leave Iraq, Esper said. When asked about this letter, which apparently uh, a commander or somebody wrote a letter, it was supposed to go out, but not, uh, it wasn't supposed to go out yet, but it accidentally went out. Uh, so they had to kind of backtrack on the letter saying that they were withdrawing troops from Iraq. Uh, the defense secretary said there's been no decision made to leave Iraq, period. The letter cited by news agencies was purportedly sent to the Iraqi military by U.S. Marine Corps Brigadier General William H. Seeley, commanding General, Force, General of Task Force Iraq, the U.S.-led military coalition against ISIS. A top U.S. general told reporters that the letter was a poorly worded draft document meant to only underscore increased movement of forces. Quote, poorly worded implies withdrawal. That's not, that's not what's happening. Uh, U.S. Army General Mark Miley, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, told a group of reporters, quote, this was a mistake, blah, 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 blah. So putting aside whether the letter was supposed to go out, whether it wasn't supposed to go out, really doesn't matter to me. But let, let's get this straight because, you know, we're taught in grade school that we fled the British because of the oppression and we wanted freedom and, you know, they were a tyrannical government. Uh the Iraq, Iraq is telling us to leave, putting aside the fact that we were lied to, that we left already. Did you know we still had over 5,000 troops in Iraq? What do they call that? Residual forces. 
oh, they're not, you know, those aren't soldiers that are at war. We just like to stay and, you know, take in a movie in these countries forever. So they're telling us to leave, and Trump and his generals say, yeah, no, we, we have no plans to leave. Wh what would you call that? That's imperialism. This is a sovereign country. Whether you think it's a good thing that we took out this Iran uh, Iranian commando, who some people say, uh, I interviewed Ben Norton for the Gray Zone, this, the, the uh, stature of this commander is the equivalent of, you know, if Iran took out Mike Pence here. Some people say uh, Mike Pence. I've heard the Secretary of State. I've heard the chairman of the G uh, Joint, Ch Joint um, Chiefs. What are they? Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. But either way, this was the number two in Iran. So you have Iran, Iraq saying, you need to leave. And Trump administration saying, hell no. You also have Donald Trump literally on Twitter openly saying, I'm going to commit multiple war crimes. I mean, the United States already commits war crimes, but it's not explicitly spelled out on Twitter that we're going to. So if you don't know, it is a crime, a war crime, illegal, to target uh, cultural sites uh, in war. Donald Trump has said uh, the, the U.S., you know, we just took out your basic, like the godfather of Iran, other than the Ayatollah. And if you dare respond, you, you sovereign country, Iran, if you dare to respond to our aggression, we're going to target 52 of your states, uh, sites for uh, the significance of that number is the amount of Americans that were held hostage uh, during the Iranian uh, hostage crisis uh, and cultural sites. And then Trump says, oh, they get to do things to us. They get to murder our Americans and target our people, but we don't get to target their cultural sites. That's not how it works. No, in fact, if we followed international law, that's exactly how it works. And by the way, I'm not saying Iran does not have blood on its hands. I'm not saying Soleimani was, was a good person. But Iran did not attack the United States here. Iran, by all accounts, I don't want to pretend to be an expert, but by all accounts, Iran was following the Iran deal, nuclear deal, which is one of the few good things Obama did. So... Iran did not attack us. This is not a defensive action. This is an offensive action. And you have the same morons on CNN, on MSNBC, in the pages of the New York Times. It's, it's just incredible to me. You got Judith Miller on Fox News. She should be in jail. You have, uh, you know, David Frum was just on with Brian Stelter. This guy who helped cheerlead us into Iraq. Meanwhile, you have New York Times articles going out there saying, oh, is Trump's gamble going to pay off? You know, talking about the strategy of it all. Not talking about the fact that now Iran, now Iran is openly saying we are going to, not only are we going to retaliate, we are going to target American citizens. We're going to target American cities. And, I mean, if you want to get into Trump's head, is he doing this 
to distract from impeachment? Is he doing this to get reelected? Is he doing this because he was just bored one day? Who knows? Uh, Chuck Schumer suddenly cares about the Constitution and international law. Uh, the Senate Minority Leader Schumer said on Monday that the chamber Senate will have to vote on a resolution limiting President Trump's ability to take military action against Iran. Schumer, speaking for the Senate floor, noted that Senator Tim Kaine had introduced a war powers resolution that would require Trump to withdraw U.S. troops from hostilities against Iran within 30 days without congressional sign-off. Quote, the resolution will be privileged, so it will have to come to the floor, Schumer said. My colleagues, we're going to vote on it. So what's interesting about this, let's move from the Senate to the House. I just interviewed uh, Shahid Buttar. He's a constitutional attorney, a uh, organizer, uh, activist out of San Francisco. He's also running against Nancy Pelosi uh, for her congressional seat in California's 12th district. Definitely check out that interview. Uh, definitely, definitely progressive. Happens to be Muslim. So he, I didn't even know this. So I learned a lot just from interviewing uh, candidates. Nancy Pelosi, Bernie Sanders and Ro Khanna snuck, helped snuck, sneak in to the uh, defense authorization bill, that $738 billion stain on morality that is the defense budget. Bernie Sanders and Ro Khanna helped sneak in there, restraint, a provision that would have blocked Trump from doing exactly what he just did basically starting a war with Iran. This is a war. You don't just take out the number two in Iran and like they, they retaliate and then it's over. No, this is a war. So Nancy Pelosi took that out. <laughs> she just took that out. Why would Nancy Pelosi take out of the defense, an amendment out of the defense bill from Bernie Sanders and Ro Khanna to limit Trump's ability to start a war in Iran. Why would you do that? Why wouldn't you keep it in there and make, make the Senate negotiate? That's because the Democratic Party has never, has not seen wars they don't love either. And when, by the way, when Chuck Schumer says, well, now because it's Trump, we need uh, to have a vote and it needs to come to Congress. Well, I didn't hear Chuck Schumer. I didn't hear Nancy Pelosi say a damn word when Barack Obama was illegally uh, waging war on Syria. Yes, when you send American troops to a sovereign country, which Obama did, without getting approval or a vote from Congress, that's a war. Barack Obama went to Syria unilaterally to wage war for regime change of Assad? I didn't hear Chuck Schumer say a word. Where is Obama? Why isn't he going to Congress? We're going to have to vote. We're going to have to uh, you know, have a vote to limit Obama's ability to do this. I didn't hear Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi or anybody in the Democratic Party, of course not the Republican Party either, say a word. Wait a minute. Why, why has... Barack Obama didn't go to Congress to ask if we could aid Saudi Arabia in dropping bombs on Yemeni's children on, in school buses and Yemeni's children and women uh, at weddings. How come there was no hubbubaloo then? And by the way, I'm not trying to equate the Democrats with Trump right now. Trump is the one doing this. I'm just saying the whole system 
the whole back and forth is smoke and mirrors. The Democrats don't care about the Constitution. They have let Obama illegally send us and keep us in war. The only Democrat, other than Bernie, that has been pushing to actually reassert Congress's authority is Barbara Lee. Barbara Lee has been in the leading forefront to reestablish, what do they call that, the AMUMF, Authorization for Military Force, which has been open-ended since aftermath of 9-11. So, excuse me, if I'm not cheering Chuck Schumer now, oh, we need to vote in the Senate to limit Trump's ability to wage war in Iran. Well, you didn't say that when Obama was illegally entangling us in Syria and Yemen. Uh, let's move on to 2020 campaign. Uh, there was new polls that just came out. Uh, as you know, I take every poll with a grain of salt. I also think um, with most of these polls, there is an undersampled and possibly not even surveyed uh, one or two percent uh, that is being uh, not shown for Bernie Sanders. Obviously, Bernie Sanders' campaign's major strategy here is to target non-voters, target people who have never voted before, first-time voters, younger voters. So every poll you see, if they're succeeding in that, which from what I'm hearing, they are registering a ton of new voters in Iowa and New Hampshire, uh, those people are not going to show up on a poll. So every poll I'm looking at, I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to add at least 1% to each one of these polls for Bernie. So you're looking at this new, uh, what was it, CBS... Uh, CBS, uh, CBS YouGov, and you have right here, Iowa, three-way tie between uh, Bernie, uh, middle-class Joe himself, uh, Mayor CIA Pete Buttigieg, and uh, Warren. Ooh, boy, look what happens when you show you have no conviction. Down to 16%. And uh, Amy uh, Midwestern Nice, Amy Klobuchar. Honestly, she's surging. Did you see the New York Times piece? The Democrat that could beat Donald Trump surging at 7%. So margin of error, 3.8%. So essentially, you just got a coin toss here between Bernie, Biden, Buttigieg. Uh, I think what you're seeing here is we got to remember here, Iowa is a caucus. There's also weather that is involved. It is often snowing. It is often very, very cold in Iowa in the beginning of February. So not only do you need to convince people to vote for you, you also have to convince people to come out and vote for you, which I'm about to show you. Uh, we'll see who has the excitement and who has uh, is attracting people's dedication and loyalty, not just to decide they want to vote for you, but to actually decide they're going to come out and caucus for you. So that's Iowa. New Hampshire, Bernie, up 2%. Biden, second place, 25%. Warren, again, sliding uh, as fast as she moonwalked on Medicare for All, as fast as she has fallen, uh, 18%. Margin of error, 5%. So, you know, there is a big margin of error, but uh, I, I believe when you look at the increase here, look at November. Bernie has gone up. That is uh, 11, that's 13 points. Bernie Sanders is up. 
among liberal voters. That's Democratic voters. 13 points. Bernie Sanders went up uh, in New Hampshire. And look at the corresponding slide. Elizabeth Warren down. That is down 15 points. Well, I'm no political scientist, but my guess is what the voters Warren lost went mostly to Bernie Sanders there. Bernie Sanders had the biggest increase from November to now in New Hampshire, up uh, 13 points, Warren down 15 points, Biden up three points, Buttigieg down four points. Um, What I find uh, interesting here, Iowa excitement. Sanders, 67% of his supporters say they are excited and enthusiastic about their vote choice. Warren, 61. Buttigieg, 52. And Biden all the way down at 49%. So that's what we call the Biden broccoli vote in Iowa. Eat your broccoli. Not a lot of excitement uh, for middle class Joe in Iowa. Uh, Excuse me. That's in... Oh, that's Iowa. But to me, the biggest thing is not Iowa. Look at New Hampshire. Which of these qualities do you feel describe Joe Biden? Check all that apply. Exciting, 8%. 8% of New Hampshire voters polled are excited about Joe Biden. 39% are excited about Bernie Sanders. Elizabeth Warren has 37%. So Joe Biden, the polls might show he's he's at 25%, but... That's 25% of people who say they would vote for him. That's not the same thing as I'm going to come out and do it. Excitement, 8% for the last vice president of the United Corporations of America. Does that not tell you something, folks? Does that not tell you something? He's in last place in terms of excitement in Iowa. Why is that important in Iowa? Because Iowa is different. You have to not just convince them to vote for you. You have to convince them to come out not, not just to wait on a line, but to caucus for you. That could be an hour to two hour process, caucuses. Most of them don't know what it is. He's at 49% enthusiasm in Iowa. He's at 8% excitement enthusiasm in New Hampshire. That ain't good. Still though, because of the corporate media propaganda Biden is considered, among Iowa voters at least, the most safe voice. What is this based on? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Actually, there's a great piece in The Guardian right now detailing why Joe Biden is in fact not electable against Donald Trump. But like they did in 2016, like they did in 2004 with John Kerry saying he's more electable than Howard Dean, like they did in uh, 2000, saying Al Gore's the most electable. All of these people who are constantly wrong about quote-unquote electability, all these people that are constantly wrong about what voters in certain parts of the country want, primarily the Midwest, are telling us, voters of Iowa, the voters of New Hampshire, Nevada, South Carolina, California, Joe Biden is the most electable of all of them. Joe Biden is not more electable than Bernie Sanders. In fact, I don't even think Joe Biden is more electable than Elizabeth Warren. 
I'm not sure Joe Biden is more electable than Mayor CIA because Joe Biden is exactly the type of candidate that Donald Trump excels against. Joe Biden is a candidate that will allow Donald Trump to cancel out his own corruption. Joe Biden is the kind of candidate that will allow uh, Donald Trump to muddy the waters on the fact that he has sold out to working class. Donald Trump gave a tax cut, which 83% of it went to rich people. Donald Trump just pushed through a new NAFTA, which is going to offshore more jobs. Donald Trump is cutting food stamps and welfare. But the problem is, Joe Biden has supported and pushed many policies that are exactly similar to what Trump is doing. Oh, by the way, which I'm going to get into in a little bit, Joe Biden, they keep, and I hope Bernie's campaign is listening to this. You know, you don't pay me, but here's some free advice. It's not just that Joe Biden voted for the Iraq war. It's not just that Joe Biden helped whip votes for the Iraq war, that he actively pushed Democrats to vote for it. Months after the war started, when it was already evident that this was a giant catastrophe, when top Democrats were suddenly starting to moonwalk and say, this is a disaster, we were wrong. Joe Biden is on tape months after the war started praising President Bush and saying we need to stay the course, which I'm going to play for you in a little bit. So if as a leader you make a mistake, that's one thing. That is a big effing mistake to make to send us to war based on no intelligence. They didn't even send inspectors in before they launched the war. But it's if you make a mistake as a leader, are you intuitive enough? Are you introspective enough? Are you uh, not stubborn enough to recognize, wow, this was a giant catastrophe. This is a giant cluster beep trying not to get demonetized and quickly change course. Well, I'm about to show you not so with Joe Biden. I'm not trying to play politics with war in Iran because obviously there are bigger implications than the campaign. But it is my job to tell you how the campaign could be impacted. I got news for you folks. This is not a good thing for Joe Biden. That foreign policy is now in the lead because Bernie Sanders campaign, you know, in the previous debates, Bernie has brought up that Joe Biden voted for the Iraq war. But Iraq was, you know, almost two decades ago. It matters to us, but to the average voter, they might say, "Okay, well, that was a long time ago and it might not bother them as much. But now that we're basically at war with Iran, Joe Biden will be more under the microscope. And fortunately, I mean, I I love to criticize them, but credit to CNN, they're finally fact-checking Joe Biden's bullshit. Demonetized. I went like an hour without cursing. Swear jar, if you can, help us out. Joe Biden says... Again, dishonestly suggests he opposed the Iraq war from the beginning. Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden dishonestly suggested on Saturday that he had opposed the war in Iraq from the very moment it began in 2003. Even though Biden's campaign said in September that he misspoke when he made a similar claim. Biden was responding Saturday to a voter in Des Moines, Iowa, who told him, I'm with you 90% of the way, but questioned his judgment in part because you were for the second Gulf War, which was a mess. Biden said, 
quote, from the very moment President George W. Bush launched his shock and awe military campaign, and right after that occurred, I opposed what he was doing and spoke to him. It's false that Biden opposed the war for the moment Bush started it in March 2003. Biden repeatedly spoke in favor of the war both before and after it began. Biden's language on Saturday saying he opposed what he was doing at the moment the war commenced was more vague than his language in September when he flatly said he had opposed the war at that moment. But the new version was highly misleading even under the most generous interpretation. So good on CNN. It's about time. Some actual reporting uh, to show that Joe Biden's full of it. Here is Joe Biden, not in March 2003, July 2003. We launched war in Iraq in March 2003. This is Joe Biden, July 2003. That would be April, May, June, July, four months after the war started in Iraq. Does this sound like he's against it four months after the war? That it's our national interest to stay the course, a view that I strongly hold. Some of my own party have said that it was a mistake to go to Iraq in the first place and believe that it's not worth the cost, whatever benefit may flow from our engagement in Iraq. But the cost of not acting against Saddam, I think, would have been much greater. And so is the cost, and so will be the cost, of not finishing this job. The President of the United States is a bold leader and he is popular. The stakes are high, and the need for leadership is great. I wish he'd use some of his stored-up popularity to make what I admit is not a very popular case. But I and many others will support him when he makes the case. I wish the president, instead of standing in front of an aircraft carrier, several in front of a banner seven years ago, saying several months ago, saying mission accomplished had stood in front of a banner that said, we've only just begun. Because that would have been the truth. That they are the facts. I also wish he would stand in front of the American people very shortly and say something to the effect, my fellow Americans, we have a long and hard road ahead of us in Iraq, but we must stay in Iraq. Uh, does that sound like being against the Iraq war? As soon as it launched, I got to tell you, um, I don't know. God bless him, but why doesn't Bernie Sanders' campaign put this out? I have never, I've, I've never seen Bernie Sanders' campaign put out this video. <laughs> it's right there. He's literally praising President Bush months after this. Immoral, horrendous, evil, illegal war. Like, what are you doing, Bernie's campaign? Get with the program here. Bernie, during the debates, says, you voted for the Iraq war. He didn't just vote for the Iraq war. He pushed the vote for the Iraq war. He got other Democrats to vote for the Iraq war, which is called whipping the votes. And after the fact, when it was a giant, colossal cluster, he's right there on tape saying, we need to stay the course. President Bush is, uh, I, I forget exactly what he said, uh, a, a great leader. He's very popular. He needs to use his popularity. 
I got news for you folks. Uh, if that was his judgment, that was he's 76 right now. That was about 17 years ago. Uh, if that was his judgment in his 60s, he's now 76. You know, as you get older, your judgment, you, you kind of get more set in your ways. Would you say that's correct, darling? You kind of get more set in your ways as you get older. So what's President Biden going to do when he messes up? What's President Biden going to do when he makes a mistake on foreign policy? He's going to double down. How do we know? Because when he wasn't president and he was supposed to be in the opposition party, he was carrying George W. Bush's briefcase. I mean, it's, 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 it's unbelievable. It's truly unbelievable. 